fantastic uh, Chelsea team, and uh, it's just great to be in the presence of the Lord, um, to be able to worship Him in spirit and truth. And I know we can't sing, we can't holler, and we can't um, make a joyful noise in that sense, but we can give a cloth clap offering unto the Lord, and He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our thanksgiving. So let's just give God a massive round of thanksgiving this evening. God is so good. And uh, to be here together in the room, and it's great to see so many of you out tonight. That's absolutely brilliant. And nice to see some new faces with us as well. And um, I trust at home, um, you're tuned in. You're ready to receive what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you tonight. Um, and each one of us here in the room, because God is wanting to speak to you. He's wanting to speak to me. He, I believe he wants to speak uh, to the church in general. And um, we've been looking over the last couple of weeks or so, and we're going to continue today and next Sunday about gathering families and building teams. Uh, why are we doing this subject right now? Why are we speaking about these things? Well, the good thing is we are beginning to gather in number. You know, kids' church is open uh, Momentum Youth is open. We're doing Sunday night in person as well as at home. So things are beginning to open. 27th of June, uh, we're hoping that we'll have all the chairs back in here and that we'll have, uh, um, well, uh, speaking by faith, a praise party by fo followed on by a, uh, a picnic out the back. And you know, hopefully we won't have to do too much social distancing. Hopefully we won't have to wear face masks. Hopefully we can sing with all our heart and gusto. And um, I will be leading the way, not from the front, but from there, and you'll hear me wherever you are in the room, because to sing that last song, you know, of the goodness of God, it's all, all I could do to not sing out and, and really just go for it, because he's so faithful, he's done so many good things, of which I'm, I am, well, we and the church are just eternally grateful for those things. So tonight, what we're going to do, we're going to turn straight to the scriptures. If you've got your Bible with you, turn in Ephesians, I'm going to read it from the Message Translation, not from my uh, NI, um, New, uh, New King James, but um, from the Message Translation. Why, why am I going to do that? Because I believe it really opens up from the Message Translation what other translations who've tried to, to port, portray this particular scripture, but the Message puts it brilliantly. It says this, at the center of all this, all what, all that we're involved in, every sphere and aspect of life. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. Aren't you so pleased it's not down to men? It's not down to me as a pastor. It's down to Christ. He, he rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The church isn't on the outside moving around the center hub of the world. The church isn't on the outside. It goes on to say the world is peripheral to the church. The church is meant to be at the very center. It's meant to be the very hub. It's meant to be the driving force of our life. It's meant to be our all-consuming love for his church, the bride, is who we are, not the building, not the, not the four walls of a place, but us gathering together, being together, loving one another, supporting one another, being together as a family unit, seeing those needs and meeting those needs, supporting one another through the journey of life. This is what church is meant to be. 
And I thank the Lord that as we come back together and as we make this our home, that there won't be the rush and the tear to get things ready. There won't be the rush and tear to break it all down and lay it out the door. We can be family together and ease our way out of this room whenever we want. That is going to be something unique to church that we haven't had in 16 and a half years. But I am so looking forward to that. And something that I believe each one of us is looking forward to as well. It goes on and says, the world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and he acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. When we are collectively together in, in what would be classed as the church, the gathering of God's people, his presence is here. He says he wants to speak. Now, I, I trust that as I've prepared that I've got the heart of God for the word tonight. Uh, and I trust that as I speak of what I've prepared, then God will also add to that the things that he wants me to say as he drops them into my heart by the Holy Spirit. I, I've just got to trust him in the journey that my preparation and him speaking through me speaks into your life something that you needed to hear, something that you needed to put right or correct in your life. And then he, he, he fills everything. He fills our life. He fills this room with his presence. I just love the fact that God is present in this room when we come together. Not when we praise, not when we worship, not when we pray, not when we do, but being together, just being together. We bring the the collective anointing of God in this room, which is powerful. And I love this translation. Why? Because it places, it shows very clearly the, the place that, that God, that the importance that God places on his church. See, there are many people in this world who, who don't have any importance on God, God's word or God's church. They look at God's church as some old building that's, that's derelict or, or cold or you know, we, we often go into, when we go to places and we drive off, we go to a, an old church. And the first thing you notice when you go in there, it, it smells a little bit fusty and it's really cold. And, and it's like, oh, I mean, how, how, do, how do anybody survive in these cold churches? I never know. And then we went into one in Exton, the village of Exton. And every pew had its own bar heating it's like, wow, that's the kind of church I like, heating. But do you know what? The, the, Jesus said he would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I'll tell you what, when we allow the fire of God to burn within our heart, we won't need heating on the wall or the radiators on the wall. We'll have the fire of God burning in our heart. And I'll tell you what, nothing will stop us from, from pursuing God with all of our heart. Something I, I thought when I was preparing this, you cannot separate Jesus and his church. You cannot separate church and Jesus. They are inseparable. Why? It's, it's just like the bride and the groom. If you get a young married couple who are, who are totally in love with each other, they are inseparable. You cannot separate Jesus and his church. They are inseparable. Why? Because he's the groom. And we're the bride. And that's just a beautiful picture of what church is meant to be. 
how it's meant to feel, how it's meant to just be our first love. Remember in, in Revelation, it talks about the church in Ephesus. You've, you've walked away from that first love. You've walked away from, from that initial heart that you had for, for my house, you, that heart that you had for me. And as the church, we've got to make sure that we've got that kind of love for Jesus in our heart when we, and for one another. By this, all men will know your love. By, uh, by this, all men will know you're my disciples for your love for one another. As we show love, as we express love to one another, the world will see that we're the church of Jesus Christ. There are people who will contest the, 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 the significance of the church today. I, but I don't believe we can, the, the, the less or the more watered down the church becomes, the less of an impact that we will have on society. We cannot wilt down or water down the church and its significance in the day in which we live. We are the church. And corporately, collectively, we have a voice. And the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord, those that are called by my name, we should have a voice in our society. We as the church are his gathering. You know, I love the fact that we can gather like this and, and in a few weeks, months' time, we'll gather with many more in the room. So collectively, we can come together as a large church, but also we have this expression of small church. And throughout the Bible, throughout the New Testament, you see that the church came together in the temple courts. And then there was a further expression where they went from house to house. It wasn't either or. It wasn't a case of let's separate ourselves off and let's enjoy a small gathering or let's separate ourselves off and let's just be big church. They were both operating together. Big church experience with intimate personal walk with people through connect group, house group or house church, what they had back then. It wasn't exclusive of each other. It was the both working together hand in hand. Listen to this. Or sorry, the, the passage that we just read. It says that Christ or the church is Christ's body. You are or we are his body. And it's really important that we stay as a whole unit. Because you can't, I, I, could, I, could, I could chop off my leg and just and say, I don't really need that part. Well, I do. Otherwise, I'm walking around like this for the rest of my life. That's not very good. And that part that's now over there is actually going to die off. It's going to have nothing of the life source of the church, of the fivefold gift that God gave to the church of the apostle, the prophet, the, the, the teacher, the evangelist, uh, and the pastor. It's not going to have the fivefold ministry because it's a limb that's sent over there on its own. The Bible doesn't say that as a body we're dismembered. It says that we are to be the body of Christ expressing his heart through the gifts that each one of us have to one another. The leg can't turn around to the body and say, I have no need of you. The Bible is very clear. You read 1 Corinthians 12. It's very clear. The eye can't say, oh, I don't, I don't need you. And that, that. We are all needed in this journey. Every single one of us. You know, you're gifting in church or in church life. The gift that God's given you, whatever that may be, you know, you could be a Lyndon running around, twiddling buttons, 
whatever you're doing at the back, do I need a mic? I've got to stand closer. Oh, is it? I'll stand a little bit closer. So, you know, is, is, do we, do, we can't say I, I can do without that or I can do without that. I don't need any ear. We need everyone playing their part, doing their part, because we've all been gifted in some area. Now, that could be just, in that sense, saying hello at the front door or saying goodbye on the way out. That, it, it doesn't matter what part you're playing. If you're doing it with the heart that God's given you to do it, we can have an amazing church experience. And so can anybody that comes in to the church as well. We, as Family Church, fully recognize that Jesus is the head of his church. And being the head, we've chosen as pastors to say, Lord, it's your church. You said you would build it. See, there are many people, we're part of what God is doing, but our part is making disciples. Our part is reaching the lost. He said he would build his church. We're just cooperating with what he's doing. I'd like to say, oh, I'm, I'm building this and I'm building. No, no, no. I'm submitted to him who's building. And it's down to him to build it with us working alongside what he's doing. With us being the bride and him being the groom. With us being the body and him being the head. You know, over and over again, you see different analogies of how Jesus relates and connects with his church. Our Sunday gatherings, our Sunday gatherings should be a place where he is speaking. It should be a place where he is acting and moving. It should be a place where we're, we're gathering and being connected to one another. The house of God. Remember, we looked at that last week. It is the house of God. The scary thing right now is there are many who are placing the world at the center of their lives. And the church experience is peripheral. When actually we should be placing God and his house as the, the groom at the center of our lives and everything else in this world. Remember the word says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those other things that the world chase after, all those other things will be added to us. But it's about us getting things in the right order rather than making an agenda or an order for ourselves. The fact that there are many people and Christians who are saying, well, I, I, I just, you know, it's been a long year. It's been a long year and a half. Oh, I don't know when I'll come back to church. We've had, we've had every excuse that I can think of from some people. And it's like, really? That's shocking. It's amazing. Really? And I understand there may be a slow feedback into God's house. I understand that because we've been in the middle of a pandemic. But some of the things we've heard has shocked us in this journey. So I guess I've got two questions I need us to answer tonight. Are, are our lives standing at the fringe or the edge or margins of God's house? In, and is the church no longer at the center of our lives, the center of our giving or the center of of our commitment. That's a really important question that everybody 
you know, whether we're here, whether we're at home, whether we're listening on catch-up, it's, it's a question that we've got to answer for ourselves. Has, have we put God on the back burner of our life through a year when we could have pressed deeper into God, where we could have found our Christian walk regardless of who and what was around us? Because it's so important that we are able to stand in an evil day. Because if we can't stand through a pandemic, what will it be like when the end of the time comes near? What will it be like when persecution for our faith comes our way? Are we, are we, will we still be saying, well, God, you know, you're on the peripheral of my life. If I've got a bit of time, I'll come to church. If I've got a bit of spare money, I'll give it to you. If I've got a spare moment, I'll commit to something. Or is he the center of all that we do? Is he our center of our life, the center thought of what we do? It's really important that we consider these things because if we don't, potentially we could allow ourselves to be in this, this, well, whatever will be, will be. And then when persecution comes for our faith, there will be no rock upon which we stand. There will be no, no strength in the day of trouble. It is, this is a year that would have been a real test for those who have been living in a compromise or a, a bubble of, I don't mind how long it goes. I'll go back to church when. But we can't do that as the body of Christ. The moment our heart begins to be aware in our life that the groom is becoming distant to us, the bride, it's got to be a wake-up call. Because if we are aware that there becomes a separation or a distance between a husband and wife relationship, Either you mend that and you draw closer to one another or you begin to allow that separation to continue to divide until you end up divorced from the one in whom you love. And do you know what? That's the same analogy that Jesus was using, that we need to walk with him, be close with him, or else if we back off and distance ourselves away from him, the body of Christ, and, and, and the church, and Jesus, the groom, what will happen is we will distance ourselves from his, what he's called. You know, he called us to be the church. He's, he birthed the church on, on, in the, on, on, on Acts 2. It was his idea, just like marriage in Genesis 2 was his idea. Genesis 1 was his idea. And I believe that we've got to be aware that as the bride, we don't distance ourselves from the groom and from the church that he's called us to. I love this next passage of scripture I'm about to read. Because for me, I guess in some senses, it is the rock upon which I stand. It is the, the, the anchor in the midst of the storm. And it's found in Psalm 69 and verse 9. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. My love for you has my heart on fire. My passion for your house consumes me. Nothing will turn me away. That is just such a classic scripture. It is such a, it is a, such a rock under our feet in our lives. 
And again, I believe there are three important things that we as individuals, for you at home, these are three things that we need to take on and, and allow into our heart. It says, my love for you has my heart on fire. My question would be this, are our hearts on fire for him? Are our hearts on fire for our love for him? Only you can answer that in the journey of your life. Only you can answer these questions. But I believe they're in the word for a reason. My love for you has my heart on fire. And then he says this. My passion for your house consumes me. Do we have an overwhelming passion for God's house? To see his house strong and stable. To see that every aspect of his house, from the cleaning of the building to, to the preaching of the word and everything in between. Have we got a passion for God's house? I believe it should be the thing that drives us. You know, for, for, I, I have other passions in life, including fishing. I haven't been this year. It's, it's, it's too cold. But we've had some good weather. And it's like every time I see good weather, I think, oh, I wonder if I could go fishing this weekend. And then the weekend gets here and I think, I've just not got time and I haven't got the ability and it's too cold and I think, forget it. But do we have an overwhelming passion for the church? Because collectively we are the bride. As we come together in this beautiful thing, we are the bride. And then the third thing is this, nothing will turn me away. Passion for your house, talking about the church, talking about the place where God resides. And then he says, nothing will turn me away. Can we say like the psalmist, that nothing will turn my heart, nothing will turn my head, nothing will distract my attention. Can we say like the psalmist, nothing will turn me away from your house. It's incredible when you break it down, just one very simple verse, and yet there is so much in there. And yet the Bible says in the last days, there will come times when there will be distractions, when people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, distracted by many other things. When you look at the, the four soils that Jesus taught about, and, and the, the third soil, which was the stony ground, and it's the, the other things in life that come along that distract us from the things that God has called us to. Can we, like the psalmist, say, nothing will turn me away? Good questions to ask ourselves. Good questions to ask yourself back home. Are we living for a greater cause? You know, what is the greatest cause on, on this planet Earth? What is the greatest cause that you and I could give our life for and over to? What is the greatest cause? I do believe it is that which Jesus said he would build. And he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The greatest cause, if for the rest of my life, even if I wasn't the preacher or the pastor or the leader of the church, if I was sat in the pew, which I did for many years, I served God's house wholeheartedly. The early years of my Christian experience, no, I didn't. But once I got into understanding that Jesus loved me, gave his life for me, completely changed my life, I served God's house passionately. 
If I wasn't out the front, I would be serving God's house passionately. I would be on every, any team that give, would, would allow me to join it. I know the worship team won't, but I, I, I am happy doing ca- uh, car park. I'm happy doing welcome. I'm happy doing whatever it is. Why? Because I have a passion for his house. And that passion for his house is the driving force of my soul. It's what I live for. It's what I give my life for. It's, it's what I sacrifice my moments and hours and time. It's, it's him. It's his house. It's doing, doing what I can do here in connection with what he said we would do. Are we living for the greatest cause on earth? Listen to this in Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read it out of my New King James. Ephesians 3, 14. And it says this. For this reason I bow my knees, or for this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it goes on and talks about the whole family um, in heaven and on earth that is named. And it's just, for, it says, for this cause... For this reason, what is the reason that you're here? Now, I remember, is it Purpose Driven Life, uh, Rick Warren? He says, what on earth are you here for? What, what a great question, eh? What on earth are you here for? It is to live out the greatest cause, the greatest reason for life, and that's living for him. Have we come to the place in our life of true submission and surrender. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. My life is not my own. It's been bought with a price. Have we come to that place of true submission? I've written down this song, and I want us to not necessarily sing it, but listen to it at the end. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. He's not, he's not stealing from you. He's not taking from you. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence daily live. It's a great spiritual thought. What are we living for? What are we giving our lives over to? I tell you what. He is my number one. He is the one I live for. He's the one I may end up dying for. Who knows? But he's the one that I'm going to live for with all my heart and with all my passion. I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my might, with all my strength, with all my soul, with all that is within me. I'm going to worship and praise and serve him all the days of my life. Nothing will turn me. Nothing will take me from his house. Nothing will take me from his presence. Living for the cause of Christ is the greatest of all honours. He called you. Irene, God called you. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, of the eight billion people on earth, Juliet, he called you. He called you when you were in Africa. Now you're over here. But he still called you. He's still got a purpose for you. For you, Margaret, at the at the the um, the autumn. I'm not even going to go winter. At the autumn of your life, God has called you. 
You have been so active throughout COVID, throughout this last year, with all that you've served God and done things for God, not for recognition of man, but because you love him. I tell you what, when I get to 70 plus, I'm not going to say 70 plus, when I get there, I want to be like you. I used to say that about Gladys, which was your best friend. I, I tell you what, there are people that are going before us who are examples in whom we should look to and say, that's the kind of person I want to live for. That's the kind of person I want to be. You know, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. There's great examples of people who live their lives so full on for God, who are an incredible example that we should follow that example and say, hey, if they can live their life that way, so can I. And, and, and hopefully by the time, I said to Jane, by the time we come to retirement, I want to be the busiest person in church. I don't want to put my shoes up, my feet up and, and just chill out. I'll tell you what, I reckon I'd die out. It's, we, we've got to be, we've got to be so fired up for him in our days. Listen to this. I, I just, this is a great scripture. Is that not you all good? You know, I, I, I come to every scripture, I say, oh, this is a great scripture. Psalm 84 verse 10 says this, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. What an awesome scripture that is. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. Do we have that understanding? Do we really have that understanding? When church can be quite busy at times and it can draw us away and it can draw us into endless activities. A day in your courts is better than a thousand. Do you know what? What is he saying there? If I had the ability to live one day and that was serving in your courts, it would be better than living a thousand days in separation from you. Have we got that perspective? Have, have, we, have we grasped this truth? And it says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. If you're on the hosting team, if you're on the car parking team, if you're going to be on the welcome team, if you're on a team, any end team, let's all have this kind of mindset. It's better to be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. I value our car parking. I value our hosting team and our welcomers. And let's all be carrying the heartbeat where we welcome people into the house of God. Because we never know who we may welcome in. The Bible says that we entertain angels unaware. If they came in, if an angel came in and they thought, well, what a welcome that was. No, I want them to come in and say, oh, I'll come back there again. I want that, that kind of mindset in the church where we're so welcoming and so loving to those who come into the house of God. There's a clear warning in Proverbs 6, verse 19. That we, the body of Christ, we as the church, we as the bride, we as the body, we can't be fighting one another. I, it would be madness. Imagine the bride having a fight with, the, with herself before meeting the, the groom. Can you imagine if we're the body? Ooh, ooh, ooh. What, what? It'd be silly to fight ourselves. But you know what? That happens in the body. Let's put a stop to it. There's a clear warning in Proverbs 6, 19. It says, be aware. That highlights something. It's, uh, it indicates that we may not be aware. But it says, be aware of those who sow discord among brethren. 
or stir up trouble amongst the faithful. That is such an important thing that when we're aware, not fighting one another, not fighting this person over here or that church up the road. or Let's not be fighting the body of Christ. But let's be aware, as the Bible says, of those who may sow discord among the brethren. We all have an incredible part to play in this church, in his church. We all have a vital part to play. And I just want to close with this final scripture because Jesus taught an incredible lesson in a parable about the talents that you have and the talents that I have. And you may be sat there thinking right now, well, I don't really have a talent. Well, I believe that all of us have been given something that God has entrusted to us. Listen to this from uh, Matthew 25, verse 14. To 15. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. God has delivered his goods to us. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability, and immediately went on his journey. According to our ability, God has given to you. What we do with what God, God's given to us is down to us. We know that in this story, uh, the parable, as, as Jesus um, reveals, the one who had five was faithful and did something with it. The one who had two was faithful with the two and went and did something with it. The one who had the one thought, I, I, I don't think I've got much. I don't think I'm worthy of much. I don't think I'm going to uh, see much happen with this. I think I'm going to bury it in the ground, and uh, when he comes back, I'll give him what he gave me. With no investment, no return, no multiplication. And in Matthew 25, it says this. So when he received five talents, so sorry, so he who had received five talents came and bought other five talents saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. The key is this. If we're going to see the hand of God upon our life, growing us and developing what we've got, we've got to be good. We've got to be faithful and we've got to have a servant heart. I love that those three points. Good, faithful and servant hearted. And each one of us that carry the heart of God, a good, deep down in our heart, God made you good. Faithful, he put faith in every one of us. It's what we do with that faith is determined where, what, what we do what we, or how, what we see in life develop. And then there's that servant heart. Doing, giving, he gave us his gift. Then we take that gift and make it work in this earth. I want to encourage you. You have a gift. Roy, you have a gift. That gift may be singing on stage or it may be out in the car park or it may be on the door or it may be taking up the offering or it may be doing the communion. Whatever it is, Roy, God has placed a gift upon your life. Faithfulness. I see you as a faithful man, partially sighted, but sidles here from Leon Solon on his bike, 
and cycles home in the dark and is partially sighted. That is a faithful man. And I honour you, Roy, because throughout this time you could have said, well, it's not convenient right now, it's night time. But you've come and you've faithfully been here. I think that is a, a mark of faithfulness in your life. And I honour you for that. And I look around the room and I think, we have faithful men and women. I look at those who are at home and I know there are faithful men and women who are waiting for this moment to return. Bringing your gifts, your talents, those things that God has put in your life. Lastly, I want to share this with you. Remember this. Jesus builds his church. We're called to make disciples and to see the lost saved. That's what we've been called to do. And as we're busy seeing the lost saved and discipling them in the kingdom of God, guess what? The church that Jesus said he would build continues to grow and continues to develop. Let me go back to this last thought. All to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. Make me Savior, holy thine. Let me fill the Holy Spirit, truly know that thou art mine. Let me just pray for those at home. And then we're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to move upon our heart and life before we finish tonight. I want us to listen to this song. I want us to open our heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your life. If there's an area in your heart and in your life that you need to surrender, there's an area in your life where you need to bow the knee, an area in your life where you need to say, here I am, Lord, use me. Whatever it is, just going to take that moment. But let's pray for those at home. Father, we just thank you for all those that are listening at home right now, for those that are uh, listening on Catch Up. Father, I pray that your word will bless and move and motivate challenge lord we want to be the church that allows you to be at the very center the very core of who we are lord as the body of christ i pray that we would function everyone in the right place doing the right thing and i thank you lord as the body of christ come back together lord as the body of family church comes back together lord i pray prepare us for what you're about to do in Jesus.